0: Hey there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in learning more about what it's like to work at LinkedIn on the BizOps side of that company, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is currently a strategy and analytics program analyst in a special two-year competitive training program that LinkedIn offers new college graduates. But before I introduce you to Zane Homsey, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and gives you a sneak peek into the episode's and the professions that we're going to be featuring that week. And that way you will get an early heads up on all of the different professionals we're going to be featuring. There's no other place to get that information. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time the number 4 coffee.org and the sign up box is right there on the home page. Now my java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew cuz it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Zane Hamzi, a strategy and analytics program analyst at LinkedIn, as well as the co-founder of Students Plus, which is a wonderful new initiative that describes itself as the go-to place for students who are navigating the job search in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. It's got a page on LinkedIn and it features resources, career guidance templates, and they have live events with career experts, which are featured as AMAs, and you get to have your questions answered. Zane only graduated from the University of Virginia in May of 2019, so just over a year ago. And while he was still in school, he secured some really competitive internships at companies, including Capital One, where he worked doing product strategy and analytics, as well as at JP Morgan at their asset management, where he worked as a banking analyst in the private banks Executive Wealth and Foundations group. Zane, welcome to Time for Coffee. I should say Time for Away in Arabic. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's exactly right. Well, as a first gen Syrian American, I know coffee has played an important role and continues to play an important role in your culture. And I actually read something that you wrote about how the coffees that your dad would have on Thursday evenings with other Syrian fathers in your community influenced you. And they were actually doing the analog version of what we're doing here, sharing information about their jobs, their careers, and their lessons learned.
1: Yeah. It's super funny that you mentioned that. That's exactly right. Growing up, my dad would go on Thursday nights and meet up with the other dads in the community that I grew up with. And, you know, they would play cards and chat and catch up about the week. And when I think about it, those experiences and dad coming back from those and then me getting to be with that community growing up was like a huge part of my childhood and truly, I think, gave me a lot of my sense of like identity and family values coming away from that. You're exactly right.
0: Well, I wish I had a delicious Arabic coffee with me right yeah. now. I'm afraid my cold pour over is going to have to do. <laughs> So I was thinking Zane, why don't we kick things off with what you're doing right now as a strategy and analytics program analyst at LinkedIn. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, totally. Happy to dig into that. I did want to make one quick comment. It is June 30th right now and I did feel a little uneasy about having sort of like this conversation if I hadn't mentioned something that was like very much on my mind recently. It'll only take a second, but Sure. That is, I've kind of realized it's a very interesting time to be a young person right now, both in regards to the coronavirus pandemic and the level of social activism that we're seeing in the United States. And so before we got into it, I wanted to say a huge thank you and prayers of safety for two groups of people. The first are those like essential and healthcare workers that have allowed us to fight off this pandemic. Two of those people are very near and dear to my heart. And secondly, are those individuals that are championing sort of this iteration of the Black Lives Matter movement and crafting what I hope to be like a much better union. And so big thanks and prayers of safety to those individuals who are really like the best of us right now. But your question, if I remember... Actually,
0: let me just say thank you for doing that Zane, And obviously what's happening on the streets of our country in terms of the black lives matter demonstrations in the wake of george floyd's murder and the wake of so many other black americans at the hands of law enforcement is a huge huge issue which i've tried to address on time for coffee and will continue to try to address in terms of talking about racism in the workplace and racism on the streets of our country and also in terms of the coronavirus so Thank you. I think that says so much about the human being that you are. I know we're going to be talking about the professional, but the person that you are,
1: Zane, and I really appreciate you uh, bringing that up. Thank you so much for giving me the platform to do so. Both of those things are really everyone's problem and it's on all of us to, you know, engage with it and decide how we want to live with history kind of while it's being written. So, thank you for giving me the chance to do that.
0: Amen. Okay. Yeah, let's so, do it. your job. Take us into it. What does it
1: mean? <laughs> the job. Basically, in like its simplest terms, what I do at LinkedIn and what the broader BizOps organization does at LinkedIn is we solve problems that have anywhere from zero to an infinite number of solutions. And so what that means in practice is we will partner up with different folks across the company. Maybe it's a salesperson. Maybe it's a marketing person. Maybe it's an engineer or something like that. And we will work alongside them, say, hey, what is the big problem that you're thinking through? And then we'll be the people who will do all the like analysis and research to figure out, okay, what are the possible options? Let's rank those options based on what we think is gonna be most effective and let's help you implement those solutions. So that's kind of what I do at like the highest level. Do you wanna like steer it in a particular direction?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say for our listeners, you should check out show notes to see if Zane's Espresso Shots interview has already dropped. And in that interview, he flagged a couple of things in terms of the mindset that you need to have in this type of role. And that is Mm -hmm. first, problem deconstruction, and second, systems thinking. Can you kind of break that down a little bit for us? Unpack that?
1: Yeah, totally. So those are the the two skills that were really critical to being, uh, well, A, to like wanting to do this job, and then secondly, to doing it well. The first was problem segmentation, which is the idea of getting an open-ended question like, should we do X? And to think to yourself, okay, To answer that question, I've probably got to answer maybe 20 smaller questions and to be able to decompose things all the way down to their most basic pieces. So that also kind of lends itself to how you solve the problem because, you know, the step you take is one step at a time. So. Mm That's the first one. The second one was systems thinking, which is really a common phrase that's used at at least at LinkedIn that's used to describe the process of thinking through all your actions in terms of how they affect everything else downstream. So really, like if you imagine like a tree with a lot of branches, start at the trunk, work your way up and get all the way down to the twig and seeing how it all fits together.
0: Do you feel comfortable giving us an example, maybe without like identifying where the problem was or something and, and how you attacked it?
1: Sure. So I'll give you a very recent example. So I was working on a project that had to do with deciding, basically, there's the LinkedIn, like LinkedIn.com environment, the website. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a different website we have that's called Sales Navigator. That's used for salespeople. It's like a LinkedIn really souped up for sales. And so I was working on a project that said, okay, how can we try and get more people from LinkedIn.com to the sales navigator page if they already have a sales navigator account, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I got that question, notice the question word was how, not when or if or anything like that, but how. And so noting that, I kind of had to realize, okay, well, a couple ways we could go about it. We could say, okay, do we want to target A smaller subset of people? Do we want to place the sort of like tie in or advertising in a different location on the website? Right? It's just a lot of small follow up questions that all come together to answer that question. And so what I ended up doing was finding that, you know, after the team had tried sort of one iteration of the test, I sat through and thought to myself, okay, well, if someone logs into the page, how do they behave when they're reading through the page? Where else do they go? And really understanding sort of like the behavior, which then ultimately inform my recommendation to continue on with the test and, and make us a, a slight change. That don't know that I can share the specificity of that one, but that's kind of what I mean about breaking your problems down. Nice. Can you take us into a typical day on the job, Zane? Yeah, sure. So let's pick Monday morning. <laughs> Our favorite day. Yes, so typical day on the job, it all starts with being well read. And I'm not saying that in specifics to the news. However, that's a recent goal of mine is to become more more well read in the news. But I'll basically start my day around like eight-ish in the morning, catch up on any emails I received overnight, and we get ton that are like updates on what the company's doing, right? And so I'll get all those read out of the way. I'll have a couple kickoff meetings for the week with the different teams that I'm a part of. And those are more to update on everybody on the progress I'm making on what I'm working on, as well as hear about what other folks are working on and provide input where needed. And then I'll probably spend the remainder of my afternoon doing really like two sets of tasks. One are like very what we call is like operationally intensive work, which is like working in Excel, writing out some code, looking at numbers, looking at trends, you know, the really like boots on the ground stuff. And then the other section is probably taking all the work that I had done and all the Excel outputs and numbers and whatever, and then translating that into actual like people speak and saying like, okay, how do I make sense of this? And so that is probably like crafting really punchy emails or writing really good slides or speaking up in a meeting where I can share that insight that I had developed.
0: I would imagine, Zane, that this two-year program that you're a part of this training program has changed a huge amount from when you started this time last summer. Completely right.
1: I think while at the surface level it looks pretty similar in the sense that you know we're still rotating through teams, we're still working on the same timelines and all that stuff. I think the level of priority of the work that we're doing is actually like night and day different, right? Like even 3 4 months ago, I might have been working on a nice to have part of the company And given sort of like where the pandemic has placed us and and all that stuff, now I'm truly only working on like mission critical things. And I think it is, like I mentioned a little earlier, an interesting time to be a junior person where it's like, wow, the things I'm doing like really matter.
0: So when you say mission critical, are you saying it's mission critical because we've got 30 million Americans who have no jobs, who are out of work and therefore LinkedIn's mission?
1: is even more important yeah you know i'm really glad you mentioned that for those that don't know necessarily linkedin's mission and i'm actually willing to bet a dollar with you right now that if you ask any other person at linkedin that they could recite this for you without even thinking linkedin's mission is creating economic opportunity for a global workforce which when the pandemic happened and everything shut down you're exactly right lots of people out of work And for me personally, my area of care was students out of work. And exactly right. is like LinkedIn is one of those companies that as big as it is, as techie as it is, really is in a position where we can help the most people. And so I think there are a number of examples I could provide about how LinkedIn has decided to let go of maybe some more profit dollars in the interest of helping out the global community. And it's been a really awesome time to be a part of a company that cares. And it's been really like personally, it just sits well with the heart, you
0: know? Absolutely. I can't even imagine a more important place to be. And especially mm-hmm. as a young person, and we're going to talk in a moment about Students Plus, which is clearly a passion project and may become more for you, but this is near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. Totally. So- Could you tell us a bit more about the two-year strategy and analytics training program that you're about to start year two of? You mentioned moving around to different teams. Why don't you put that in a little context in terms of how the training program works?
1: Yeah, happy to. And I'll just (laughs) preface all of this by I apologize if this sounds kind of salesy. I just really love the program. But basically what the SNA program strategy and analytics is, is it is a two-year, four rotation program where each rotation is six months, where you rotate throughout the company trying different parts of the company, right? Because we have different products and lines of businesses, as well as different like job functions, right? So you can go all the way from like marketing in January towards data science and analytics in September. And just really try out a number of things. And so the reason it sticks out to me a lot of the times, and I'll be like pretty candid about this one, is I found myself walking into my senior year not knowing what I wanted to do like at all. I knew it was like interesting, but I was just kind of like in a moment where I was like, geez, I should really figure this out. And I heard about a program where I could basically spend two years to figure that out for a living. And it's been really great, have learned a lot about myself like professionally and based on my interests and I think that if you are someone who's broadly interested in business or tech that this is the program to seek out. Amazing. And you said in the espresso shots
0: interview that it's not the only training program like this that exists.
1: There are other programs very similar to this at other companies. That's exactly right. Granted, I will say the asterisk I'll, I'll put on that comment is basically at a lot of other companies, you might find a rotation program that rotates you within one job area. So let's say, for instance, in the context of like tech, there's this type of role that's called a product manager. And other companies have a rotational product manager program, but you'll be a product manager for two years, versus in the SNA program, you will truly change job functions and put on different hats for 2 years. And so I think the value out of this compared to others is that you really you you don't necessarily silo yourself if that makes sense, like you have the freedom of choice throughout. Amazing. So
0: how can someone apply for the program and when
1: should they apply, Zane? Sure. So how does one apply? We host our application through LinkedIn press press. But that link is is pretty widely shared out. And if you either connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn, when that application goes live, I'll certainly be sharing it. So that's one place to find it. And then when we usually start our recruiting process, sort of like in the mid to late summer with a target of recruiting students in the early fall of their senior year. Unfortunately, we only have a full time position as well. There's There's no like internship variant of the program.
0: Got it. And it's pretty small, right? Is it like 10? or 12 people?
1: Right. So class sizes vary. They they do tend to be small. So there are seven analysts in my class. There are four in the class above me, and there were, I believe, eight in the class above them. So it does tend to be a little bit on the smaller side. That is true. Okay. So let's pivot to the
0: other hat you wear, and that is students Mm -hmm. plus the platform, the space that you mm-hmm. co-founded recently. What is it
1: and why did you start it, Same? Sure. So Students Plus is a page on LinkedIn that was designed to do two things. First was to share recruiting resources with students. And the second was to share career guidance with students. So that is truly Students Plus in a nutshell. Why I did it, and I'll give you kind of like the backstory for it, is I was visiting home in Virginia in March when the University of Virginia, my alma mater, had closed campus, which was like the first time any of the coronavirus headlines like started to hit home for me personally, you know, yeah. so early on. And so that happened. And all of a sudden, I was on Instagram. I was on Facebook with like friends of mine who were still in school being like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know what to do. I haven't even figured out a job thing yet. And of course, the reason I mentioned the job thing is because school and recruiting never came easy to me growing up. And so I empathize really heavily with a lot of students who might have shared that experience and now didn't have access to the career centers or clubs that helped me, for instance, get my jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I posted this video on LinkedIn that got Admittedly, like way more viewership than I was expecting, where I basically was like, if you're a student who has experienced recruiting hardship due to campus closures, reach out to me and I'll give you sort of my treasure trove of Google Drive templates and forms and books and whatever that helped me recruit, mostly just to try and help give like these students a leg up. Cause I honestly just felt really sorry that, you know, they were dealt the hand that they were dealt. So that was that. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I was, I've been like the benefactor of a lot of really kind strangers in my life, a lot of which have become friends. And so I texted a coworker of mine in the program named Docs, who is just absolute rock star, crazy, brilliant, great friend of mine, good partner. And we sort of joined forces to see if we could help these students at scale and help sort of students all over the place. And so we got Docs on board. I had a sort of a mentor of mine named Scott, believe in me and help sort of bounce ideas off of as well. And we were kind of that core team, the three of us getting Students Plus stood up in its like earliest days.
0: Well, I absolutely love it. And it obviously resonates so much with the mission of Time for Coffee. And I just want our listeners to know that you exist. And I know you've done a bunch of AMAs with professionals in different fields. And... I'm just curious, what have been your big takeaways from doing these interviews and frankly, from your own experience as a recent college student looking for a job out of school?
1: Yeah, I mean, on the students plus front and forgive me, I was about to refer to it as college versus COVID, which is what its original name was. But I think big takeaways are one, very important to sort of like tap your network and by that, I mean, like the reason it was as successful, especially in its early days was because I think there were some people around me and in my life that also cared. And I think being vocal about what mattered to me made it matter to them, which is what kind of got it off the ground. So tapping the network is one. And then two, I think like leading with values. And that sounds like super corporate speak, forgive me. But by that, I mean, it's really hard to argue with someone that says, hey, all the work I'm doing is just to help someone. I'm not looking for like any ulterior motive or anything like that. And when you lead with sort of like a compassion in that front, it was just a lot easier than I expected to get people to join sort of like the tribe of folks that were like excited about the work that we were doing.
0: Yeah. Zane, what advice do you have for those young listeners who may have just graduated into the middle of the coronavirus? And who are struggling right now around finding a job in a field that interests them maybe even forgetting about a field that they love or that they're passionate about that just interests them and it could be because the companies that they wanted to work for aren't hiring now
1: or they just can't
0: find any openings anywhere what tips yeah. can
1: you give them yeah i'm actually super glad you asked this question because i was going to post about it on linkedin myself so I've got two very like pointed pieces of advice. The first is be your own advocate. By that, I mean, everybody else has so much going on in their life that is consuming their minds. If they're a parent, they're worried about the kids. If they're a kid, they're worried about getting a job. Like everyone's worried. And so the only way people are going to know to help you is if you raise your hand and say, hey, like I need help. And it's not a dig on you. It's not your fault. It's just the circumstances that we're kind of living in right now. And the saddest thing ever is to see like help go unclaimed from people that are willing to give it. So raise your hand, say something, and you'd be surprised at how many people are willing to help. So that's the first. The second is to the best that you can, just be a sponge when it comes to skills and experiences. So maybe your highest priority might have been getting a job. But if you take a step back, maybe the reason you wanted a job was to develop some professional experience or a new skill. And chances are, you can acquire that skill a number of different ways. So maybe that means volunteering. Maybe that means you know getting more involved in a club. Maybe that means just reading a ton of books about a topic. And even though it might not have been what we really wanted in the beginning, for the time being, that's probably the best thing you can do such that when the tides change, you are going to be the best professional version of yourself such that like any employer would be dying to have you. Awesome. Awesome. And
0: PS, this should go without saying, but I'm going to say it in light of Zane's great advice there. I am here to help you. So you can DM me, you can text me, whatever. If you need career advice, You can reach out to Zane, you can reach out to me, and obviously your network. How about LinkedIn? How can LinkedIn help them out, Zane?
1: As a young person, I think there's one very low-hanging fruit that LinkedIn can offer, and that is developing a personal brand. And this is so huge for young people because it's your way of like signaling to the broader like working world what kind of professional you are or want to be. And so it might take a little bit of confidence and it might be a little scary, but even something as simple as like posting on LinkedIn about your opinions on a given trend in the industry or about a milestone you just surpassed. I think using that to sort of establish the kind of person you are is huge from like an identity perspective. Mm -hmm. And then the second is, and I'm I'm kind of like a a magician revealing the tricks right now in terms of like (laughs) why LinkedIn is like valuable. but the way LinkedIn is set up, the more you more time you spend on the platform and the more information you provide on your profile and all this stuff, the more relevant LinkedIn becomes to you. So if you add all these experiences and things that you're interested in and start following people and connecting with people, you're going to find that the posts you see in your newsfeed on LinkedIn are just going to be so much more relevant to anything you're interested in. so it's definitely in your best interest to be active.: Excellent.
0: Zane, are there any functions, any parts of LinkedIn or ways to use LinkedIn that you think most of us are unaware of that would be useful in career building and job searching?
1: Got it. So probably two that I'm thinking about. The first is when you connect with someone, you can always just press the connect button. But... I find that a lot of people don't make great use of the add a note feature to the connection, which if I'm being like too granular, basically when you like effectively quote unquote friend someone on LinkedIn, you can add a little short little note that you can write personally to that person. Always do this. Reason I share that is it's sincere. It shows you took your time. And if the person like accepts, it also gives you the start of a conversation. So that's first. For students, it can be as simple as, Hi, I found your profile. I'm interested about your life. Can you talk to me for 20 minutes? So that's the first. And the second one is probably, I actually recommend following individuals on LinkedIn and following companies. Just because I found my LinkedIn newsfeed is like, where I consume a majority of my news and things that are interesting to me. So I think the more time you spend literally clicking the follow button is, is probably another more way LinkedIn becomes useful.
0: Great. Those are super useful suggestions. <laughs> okay, Zane, let us flash back really quickly, way, way back mm-hmm. to when you were at UVA. You graduated from the College of Arts and Science. You got your BA in Financial Economics and... In econometrics, is that right?
1: So that is probably coming off of one of my like earlier versions of the resume. <laughs> okay. That was like, yeah, it's my path through like academia at UVA was like super roundabout. But I graduated from the McIntyre School of Commerce there, which is the undergraduate business school, and studied finance and business analytics there. Excellent. Um, That's yeah. fine.
0: That's fine. Thanks for
1: correcting me. No worries. <laughs> Did you
0: know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated?
1: Absolutely not. I walked into UVA and after my first year, took a class from a professor named Charles Sly on Victorian literature that had me declare an English major and thought that's what I was going to study. And then based on the clubs that I was in and people I was getting to know, the business school came on my radar. I took the prereqs. I applied, got in. And that's how I like found my way to the business school, really. And honestly, like if you had asked me when I started like seriously considering careers in business, I would have told you I wanted to be an investment banker and live on the Lower East Side. And now, like I live in San Francisco, and personally, don't think I'll ever do banking. And <laughs> the reason I like draw that parallel is just to say that I think, and again, I've been using the word like values a lot, but it's kind of the best word I've found to like describe this, but. I think when I took sort of like a values-based approach towards the job search, which is why like in the moment, my job search felt a little like without direction because I was moving all over the place. But the reason was I was saying like, okay, like I want to learn this skill. Where can I learn this skill by doing this job? Where does this job exist at these companies? Okay, let's go. And so I, I really didn't put more thought into it than that. And it ended up panning out in a way where I think... I was really lucky that I had a number of different various professional experiences that helped me apply to LinkedIn with conviction and say, "Hey, I know for a fact this is the job I want because I've had like these other experiences."
0: Well, some of those experiences include the internships that I mentioned in the introduction, the one at Capital One, the other at JP Morgan, just very quickly. What advice can you offer our listeners about how to break through the noise? and get the attention of hiring managers for those types of internships.
1: Yep. It starts with what is in your pocket, and that is potentially your phone. And so biggest advice here is there are two ways to sort of land these jobs. One is you go the apply and wait route, and the other is you go the due diligence, network, potentially referral phone call, phone call route. And one probably on aggregate is like better than the other. And by that, I recommend you probably just need to find someone maybe on LinkedIn who works at the company or industry or thinking about get on the phone with them and learn as much as you can from them about what makes that company special, what they do, what's uh, an experience of a project gone right? What about gone wrong? What don't they like? I mean, you could probably recycle the questions you've been asking today and the reason being is because there is no way to mask or or rather sincerity and being like thorough and thoughtful are just incredibly attractive traits and so i think the more you can learn about the future you're you want for yourself the the better off you'll be in actually getting it
0: amazing okay two final t for c question, Zane, if you could share a time in your professional life, and let's include the time that you were doing these incredible internships in college, maybe even in high school, when you struggled, maybe you even failed at something. And the most important thing here is not the failure, it's what you learned from it and how you persevered.
1: Yeah. So I'll be pretty candid here. And I actually don't think I've ever shared this as widely. So great platform to do so. But I did not get a return offer to JP Morgan at the end of my summer. And to give you context, I was working in the asset management group. And I had mentioned to the recruiter that, you know, I I didn't know the asset management was the right fit for me. But I was always kind of banking on having the return at least as an option to kind of be, you know, in my consideration for working after my junior summer, you know, and I left that summer thinking it was great, made a lot of really awesome relationships, and honestly took my job security for granted. And I got a phone call a couple of weeks later sharing that after I had interviewed at another part of the bank that I unfortunately wasn't gonna be like included in those individuals who got offers to come back for the following summer. And it was the biggest blow to my confidence or like self-esteem in a while. And that experience, I think, Very much humbled me. It made me incredibly grateful for any job because all of a sudden I went from nearly complete job security going into my junior year where internships are super highly sought after to literally back at square one where I could have been spending that time studying up for interviews. So I took away from that an incredible sense of gratitude for my jobs, which I will never be taking a job for granted after that experience. And it also kind of, for lack of a better metaphor, lit a fire under my pants a little bit that I still don't think has uh, left where always be moving, always be thinking about what's next, how to do better, how to be better at your job, be irreplaceable so that I'm not in that position again. So that was uh, that was that big failure.
0: Well, I want to let you know, Zane, you have a huge amount of courage to share that It took me, again, decades before I publicly shared my fails. And I think that speaks, again, to the fact that you are a total rock star. That's
1: super kind of you. Thank you.
0: I mean that sincerely. J.P. Morgan's loss is everyone else's gain. Final question. If you could go back to UVA and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself?
1: probably a few things, but on the note I, I will say that I've kept in great touch with all the JP Morgan people and it wasn't like a bad experience like leaving it was more just a rude awakening for myself because obviously I look back on that whole experience as an incredibly positive one and as a matter of fact, we actually had Devin Graham who is a recruiter at JP Morgan on students plus so I watched it, it yeah truly wasn't a, truly wasn't bad and and love those people for sure but Your question about giving advice to a previous self. You know, I think I would have probably just told myself to chill a little bit in college. And the reason I say that is because I just remember being so worried all the time that the plan that I had or the trajectory that I was on was just going to crumble and fall to the wayside because, again, it looked like I was doing a bunch of random things that didn't make any sense. And there were a lot of people in my life and admittedly, even friends of mine that were, would be recommending alternative, more traditional paths to success. And I think the roundabout path was the right one for me and ended up okay. But if I could go back, I would just try and emphasize and convince myself to stay the course, to trust the gut, and to just keep at it.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing, Zane. And honestly, I could probably talk to you for like another several hours, but I've already made you late for your next meeting. So I just want to say thank you so much, so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. You are such a wonderful role model for our young listeners. I hope they check out Students Plus. And
1: just keep doing what you're doing, Zane. Thank you so much for having me on. It really was a blast. Students, if you're listening to this, I really wish you the best. I'm rooting for you guys. Please feel free to let myself or anyone else on the Students Plus team know what would be most helpful for you all and truly best wishes to all you guys. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you